Welcome, my friends, to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I think today you're going to enjoy this one. First of all, though, I want to remind you, if you would, go out. If you're not subscribed to the show in Apple Podcasts or Google uh, Music or, um, or Google Podcasts it is now, um, Stitcher or um, Overcast, whatever app you use, go ahead and do that. And then also... Uh, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. I would appreciate that. I can't wait to introduce you to our guest. We connected last week, and I think uh, you're going to enjoy his story. He's an inspiring Christian who wants to encourage others to be entrepreneurs. Uh, welcome to the show, Alex Vasquez. Welcome to Halfway There. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm really glad uh, to connect with you. You were actually one of the first people I met at uh, at that com- conference, and I was it was kind of a sign for me to meet a, somebody who was already a believer uh, at a place that I wasn't sure how many believers I would meet. So that was, that was a great thing. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I was actually hoping to meet some Christians there. And when, when we started talking, I was like, awesome. You have a Christian podcast. You know, I, I, you know, since I'm a believer, I want to connect with other Christians and help motivate them any way I can. Yeah, that's fantastic. We're going to dive into your story, but why don't you tell us a little bit first about who you are and what you're doing now, and then we'll go we'll go back after that. I'm a owner and the uh, the president of a business called Alex D Media, uh, and uh, so we do paid advertising, and so um, that's what mainly do help businesses get traffic to their websites, and so they could get more sales and they could grow. Yeah, which is important work, right? It's definitely you know it's hard to do that on your own, but if you have somebody who can help you and knows what they're doing, that could be really helpful. Absolutely. You're that guy. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so let's go back. You mentioned that you had, uh, so you've grown up, you grew up in not a Christian family. What was that? What was it like? Tell us, just kind of fill us in on that. Well, growing up in in a in non-Christian family, it was, it was pretty difficult. You know, we had our challenges like everybody else did. You know, um, I, of course, I grew up in a broken home as well. You know, seeing that where my dad and my mom split, um, growing up where there was really no, uh, structure. I mean, there was love there, you know, you know, like my dad, he took care of us. He was a hard worker. Mm. Um, but of course, you know, through some difficult challenges with, you know, my mom and my dad, they broke up and, uh, we got divorced and it was pretty challenging, you know, didn't really know where to turn to. So I turned to music really for kind of my outlet, you know? Yeah. Well, so what, what did that look like for you? Were you a musician or you were, uh, or you were listening to music? What was that like? Yeah, you know, so when my mom and dad split, you know, uh, my cousin introduced me to bands like Green Day and yeah. other heavy metal music. So uh, I grew up wanting to be a musician, to be in a band, tour, all that. And uh, so, yeah, I picked up guitar when I was about 14 and I started taking guitar lessons. And I was mostly into the heavy metal stuff, but I was really just, I just like playing guitar. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So, how did you find Christ then? So when I was about 18, my grandmother was attending a church here in San Antonio. She, she saw the program on local TV, and so she started going. And um, when I was about 19, she invited me to come to this church. And so I wasn't really into church. Um, I wasn't judgmental toward Christians, but I just didn't want to go to church. So she took me to a Christmas pageant, and um, every Sunday she would say, hey, you know, come with me to church. So we were, I would go and I would go. And it wasn't about to 2001 that my brother turned to me and he goes, Hey, you want to get baptized? 
And I felt that I wasn't really ready to accept Christ because I felt like I had to leave this kind of lifestyle that I was so used to, you know, the drinking and all that. Yeah. And um, I kind of felt like, well, if I'm going to go with Christ and I got to leave all this stuff and I can't pursue him. So he ended up getting baptized that night and, and along with my aunt. And um, I don't know, I, I, I said the sinner's prayer and it wasn't until I think 2002, January, I decided to just go for it, get baptized. And I was actually expecting like, you know, the fireworks and the life changing experience. Well, yeah. I didn't have that. And so I was like, is this it? Is this like, is this it? Like after you get baptized in the water and you come up, like, well, what happened? But to, to, I'm going to add something real quick though. Yeah. At that time I was very addicted to porn. Like I was addicted to porn. Like mm. lust was just like all over my mind. I, I don't know how to get rid of it. So I had, I think a DVD in my room. This I was 20 and I went home and I got it and I broke it. And I said, if you, if you say who you are, then I'm going to give all my life to you. And wow. so I broke it. I threw it in the trash. And uh, to me, that was like a milestone. Like looking back, that was yeah. like, you know, you're 20 years old. You know, you're young. You're, you want to get women. And I just, I broke it. And I was like, okay, I need to break free from this. So you need to take control of my life. And I threw it in the trash. Wow. That sounds like a significant event. Um, it, it, it was, and to, cause that's a difficult thing to break. Is that, was that, was that it for you? No, I mean, th- throughout, uh, time, sure. yeah, I still struggled with it. You yeah, know what I mean? Of, it's it's something that I want to root out. Obviously, you know, I, I don't, um, I know God could break me free from that. I, um, but I'll fast forward to what, what has recently happened with, with that, uh, kind of okay. struggle. Should, should we, we can get, we can get there if you want, if we, we're going to yeah. go through your life. So that'd be great. Do that. Um, okay. So thanks for sharing that, by the way, that's, uh, you know, it's something that, like I said, a lot of people struggle with, but we don't always talk about. So I appreciate your willingness to go there. Um, Absolutely. The other, uh, so, so you found Christ, so you'd been going to church and you finally said, okay, I'm going to give my life to him. You have this sort of, uh, declaration of, okay, I'm giving my life to you. Yeah. Well, so how then did you start to grow in Christ? What what did that look like? And what were some of the maybe significant moments when you realized God's love for you or kind of realized his, something about him? So, yeah, so that's a great question. So um, uh, I have something with me. This Bible, um, this right here, was given to my biological father a long time ago. Oh, um, wow. You can see that back in like 83 or something like yeah. that. So this was the first Bible I actually started reading. So I was working at a alcohol distributor. You know, I was a forklift driver. And every time I had an opportunity, I would open it up and I would read it. So when I left to, when I decided to join the Navy, and this was, I left to boot camp in May 31st, 2002. In boot camp, I read the entire New Testament. And so when when I started reading, I started really growing. Um, Every chance I get, every time we came back to our birthing uh, we had back at Great Lakes. I would get it, and I would just, I would, just, I would crack it open, L- little by little. And that's what my brother told me to do. So he was also in the Navy. So he told me little by little, read, read, read. And the more I really got into the New Testament, I was like, wow, this is getting better and better. Talking about hate. Talking about if you, if you say something like, you know, my brother is is dumb or stupid, then you're committing murder in your heart. You know, things like that started to really resonate with me, and. um, 
maybe because I'm a sensible kind of guy. But I started to really grow and I really started to pray while I was in the Navy. So remember, I, I was a brand new Christian going into the Navy. And so yeah. I saw some things going within me and I was like, God, show me what does it mean when you say son of man or, or son of God? Like, what does it mean? So little revelations would come to me uh, out of nowhere because I was always seeking. And so I think I've always been a seeker of answers. And so getting really into Proverbs, getting into um, the New Testament and just seeking that while he, he loves me regardless of what I've done in the past yeah. and really just seeking Holy Spirit revelation. And so I just started growing from there, you know, and so, um, yeah. so yeah. I love those stories when, because, um, you know, for those of us like me who grew up in the church, the Bible, um, yeah, there are moments, you know, I, I didn't really go deep with the Bible until I went to college and got a degree in biblical studies and kind of, but that was even like having learned the languages and take it apart and put it all back together and learning some theology that I'd never heard before and um, right. stuff like that. But there's those times when, um, you know, the Bible is sort of fresh and new and you hear Jesus say things, you read Jesus say things. Ooh. It's beautiful. It's so such a great, such a great moment. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the one thing that I learned was, it was in about the blind man that Jesus, you know, he healed with the mud, right? Yeah. And everyone said, "Oh yeah, you're you're the blind guy." And everyone asked, "Well, who healed you?" He's like, "I don't know, but whoever it was, you know, I could see." You know, I don't think I know was I was blind. Now I can see. I think yeah. that a lot of people, like my wife, she grew up in the church, but for me, it was like a it was like fresh oxygen. I was really consuming everything I could whether it was like Benny Hinn, right? Like I'm brand new to it. Like his thing was like, oh, this is so cool, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and the first book I read was Good Morning, Holy Spirit. So reading that book, his story inspired me. So then I would read from more, like more books. And so it was, it was brand new to me because see, I grew up in a home that drank, uh, did drugs. Uh, my mom would let us do anything we wanted. We would stay out late. We would just get, you know, all that worldly stuff. So this new life was was fresh for me and and my brother, and so um, it was it was something I just consumed so much of it. I had I had a cassette player. I was listening to cassettes back in the day, oh, listening yeah. to uh, messages by you know John Hagee or Benny Hinn or you know reading books by Smith Wigglesworth. All this stuff was just like wow, this could happen. This is real, and hearing other people's stories was was really edifying for me. And so, um, any chance I had in the, in the military to encourage somebody about Christ, I share them the books I had and I go, Hey, hey check this out. I have it highlighted. And yeah. so, um, it was just fresh for me and so it was awesome. Is your background then more uh, charismatic, would you say? Um, or Pentecostal? No, I, I, I guess no? I just believe in the Bible. I'm not, yeah, yeah. Consi- I don't consider myself like a particular group. Sure. None, but- of us, none of us like labels. I was just trying to figure out, uh, like where kind of where kind of you you started and, and to get a I, feel for it. I think I'm just naturally charismatic. I'm naturally just like I want to. Oh, like, you're charismatic. People, you know. <laughs> so some people are like, "Are you Pentecostal?" I'm like, "If you want to call you that, man, you know, Pentecostal, yeah. man, the Holy Spirit come down." Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's good. Yeah, I think you know. So for a lot of our listeners, a lot of our friends here, they uh, you know it, are often evangelical and functionally cessationist, whether or not. Yeah. They they believe that, so that's that's why it's an important distinction to kind of 
kind of here. But anyway, okay, so, you go, so you're in the Navy and you're growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you serve anywhere? Were you like what did you ever start to start to share? It sounds like you were kind of sharing with your friends and your the people around you. Yeah, so um, I was on board the USS Ronald Reagan. I'm a I'm the original uh, plank owner, original crew of the ship. That's cool. And um, I would I would share it with anybody. I was I was even hungry to look for more Christians, you know. And um, when you're in the world, it's it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because the world's not a bad place, but you do have people who are, I guess, if you want to call it that, they're on the fence. So when I ever talk to somebody who says they were a Christian, I was like, oh, cool. You want to have a little Bible study? Well they were trying to go do worldly things. And, um, I wasn't really down with that. You know, I, I drank a lot in the, when I was before a Christian and all these new Christians or that I, I would meet, they would, I guess they grew up in the church, right? So now they had nobody to report to like their parents. So they were going to do everything that was opposite of what I wanted to do. Wow. And so, um, then I met my wife who, you know, at that time we were dating, she was, she grew up in the church and she saw us reading a Benny Hinn book, which was the good morning, Holy spirit. And we just started connecting because she was a believer too. She wasn't somebody that go out and go party and everything like that. Although she, she experienced it and she's like, I don't like it. It's not my thing. And so I was like, it was not my thing either. So we would sit down in the, uh, the mess hall and we would have conversations. We would go to church together and, um, you know, of course, having some challenges with people who will make fun of my faith, uh, that was, it, it will, it will get hurtful, you know, but, um, I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot to, you know, don't jump with somebody that says they're a Christian and then they turn it that they're not, you know? And so it was, I had some challenging moments. Um, can you tell us so, one of those stories? Yeah. So, so one guy, uh, I won't name his name, but he, he would constantly mock me. And then one day he goes, Hey, I need to talk to you. Um, I have, I have so many things to testify and I I would take him at his word and I would listen to him and I would try to give him the best, uh, advice that I could, you know, with the little experience that I had in my life. I was maybe like 23, 24. Yeah. And, um, man, he, he'd turn around and, and, uh, and he would start, I, you know, mocking me and, and, uh, I guess, I don't know if disowning is a word that I can use, but I was like, hey, so, so why are you doing all this? You know, like what, what, what's going on? I thought you're my friend. And then he just, he just turned, I don't know if maybe he was bipolar or, but man, it was, it was hurtful. You know, there was times where I thought, man, I, don't even, I wish he'd get out of my work center, you know? And so it was, it, it was hard sometimes. It was hard. Yeah. Did you ever have a time, uh, either then or now or since between that time when God felt kind of far away or you felt like he was kind of not oh boy. present? Oh boy. Um, man, I have so many stories where he did, he was far away, but he was really near the whole time. Um, so in 2007, I decided to go to college. So I got out of the Navy. I, I went to college in Florida for media, uh, to, to, to do recording arts. Well, my wife still had one more year in the Navy, and she was in San Diego. So I thought, hey, let me go to college. Let me knock this out. And then when you get out of the Navy, we could go ahead and, and start our lives. Well, we got married, and then we, we split. To anybody who's listening, you know that that is a yeah. mistake. Don't ever do that. When you are married to your wife or your husband, you stick together. And so that distance 
created not only distance between us, but it also created distance between me and, and the father. And I started to do things that I wasn't supposed to do, right? I was in college, I'm 25. And uh, yeah, I, I've been on my own already, but I started to be exposed to things that I wasn't supposed to be exposed to. And when I saw my wife, you know, was, was, was heartbroken by the things I was doing, I didn't care. I, and, and I don't know what it was. I, I was just selfish. I was, I wasn't who I was in the Navy with her. I was, com- I was completely different. And I felt alone for some one night. I just felt absolutely alone. And I called my brother. I was crying and he was in Hawaii and he's still in Hawaii, by the way. And I called him and, and I was just heartbroken. And my brother, who was a Navy medic with the Marines, he knows what it's like to be alone, especially when you're getting shot at and all that. And so he was telling me, he, he goes, hey, Al, you know, everybody calls me Al. Then he goes, when I was being shot at, I felt alone too. Um, I, the only thing I could do right now was with you over the phone is lift up your hands. And bro, I was just crying. I, was, I, felt, I felt like I was in a dark place. He told me, lift my hands right now and just start praising God. And I couldn't. I couldn't. I felt so alone and I felt afraid. I felt broken. I was like, how could I have come to this place? And he just kept saying, pray right now. And he started praying for me. And he's like, Al, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this all as well. And um, in that moment, I went to war. Um, and I started reading Psalms. A lady told me in Florida, says, read Psalm and just pray. So I started reading Psalms. I, I, I did what she said, you know, the command. I started praying and I started coming against the spirit of divorce, the spirit of divisiveness. I started praying, God, you, you're the one that could change the heart of a king, mm-hmm. change, change me, change my wife. We're going to come together in the name of Jesus. You are the way maker. Make the crooked way straight. And um, slowly but surely, my wife and I started to connect. And ever since then, I've learned uh, to really watch how I walk, watch what I see, watch how I think, because those things can really take root. And you you can distance yourself. And I've seen it before happen in my life. And um, so, yeah, that, that was one time. Uh, out of many, there's many more, but yeah. where I felt I was alone. I felt like David. I felt like I was in the cave. I was like, where are you? You know, but I, but I never denied that he would, he never left. Yeah. I knew that it was me that caused him. I felt that I felt that I pushed him away, but I know it's like, you know, but, but you're still near, you're yeah. still near to me. Yeah. I think having that real, that assurance that God is near and that he does still care about us is really important. Um, you know, those cer- certainly we can have a a dark period because we've wandered away. Sometimes yeah. God is not available, and that's interesting as well. We don't we don't always think about that. Did you know Mother Teresa? I'll, I'll tell you why I said that. Mother Teresa uh, said that she only ever felt the love of God for one month in her life. Can you imagine that? Wow. Uh, no, a, a woman like that you would not expect, right? Because she did so right. many amazing things and she seemed to just exude the heart of Christ. Uh, but she only ever felt the love of Christ one month in her life and that was enough. But she still loved and followed the Lord. So when we talk about the dark night of the soul or that kind of period, the wall period in the spiritual journey, those are so important. Um, they may be because of things that we do. They may not. But they're um, either way, God... God uses them to deepen our faith. And so that's what I hear you saying uh, 
yeah. you you know you kind of had fallen into some stuff that that was leading you away you felt alone and then really your community brought you back to the lord yeah and you you began to decide uh i guess maybe to follow him more closely and um certainly to through that you deepened yeah um i met this this couple and, and they're from jamaica and this lady, I, I think it was really the woman, she, she looked at me and she goes, man, you're going through something. And, you know, I looked nice, right? I, I had my suit on. I was at this local little church. And she goes, you're going through something with a relationship somebody. Like she saw it. Wow. And I believe people have that gift of prophecy. They have the gift of see. Like the Holy Spirit would tell them. You know, I, I totally believe that. It's part of the gifts. Yeah. And so she saw that and I just broke down. I was like, I'm in... I'm in, in turmoil with my marriage. It's my fault. You know, I admit it. It's my fault. And um, she, her and her husband would put their hands on me and they would just speak life. And so uh, that was a, a defining moment. But um, there, there's another story where I did feel alone. And that was when I was, it, this was 2004. My brother was going on his first, um, his first tour in Afghanistan. And our ship was leaving like to out to sea maybe for like two weeks or maybe like a month, you know, out to sea for like sea trials. And I, I told my division, which was V1, I said, hey, my brother's leaving for Afghanistan for, you know, I don't know, six, nine months. I'd like to see if I could go and leave and, and see him before he goes. And so my lieutenant, she said, okay, so this is pretty tough. Ship's movement, you know, we know that no one missed ship's movement. So go ahead and put your request shit in, and I will I will approve it. You 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 do need to see your brother before he goes. And so I said, okay, cool. So I I I put it. I said respectfully request the mission's movement due to my brother leaving to Afghanistan for nine months or a year, whatever that was. And so she goes, it will go through the chain of command, go to the air boss, the you know first the mini boss, the air boss, and then the captain. Um. If the air boss approves it, you can go. So it, it got approved through all the way to the mini boss, but the air boss, who was the commander of the air department, he denied it. So she called me. She goes, hey, I just want to let you know that the air boss denied it. You could still pass this through to the captain of the ship if he has the final say, really. So I said, okay, pass it through. So I started fasting and praying. That was the first time I started fasting. Wow. <laughs> and so I started fasting and praying. I just had water. I mean, I was like, I want to see my brother, you know, because my brother and I grew up together. We were like, like best buddies, you know? So, and then one day a guy called me from the V1 office. His name was, um, Jocelyn. I think it was, he goes, he goes, Hey, Vasquez, I got something for you. You know, the, the request shit you sent up to the captain of the ship. I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, it came back approved with a green pen. However, no one could make out the signature of who wrote it. Because usually you could really see the, the handwriting and it'll have C-A-P-T next to it, but it didn't have that. But it left his office with the green pen. Wow. He's the only one that could sign with the green pen. And I got to see my brother. And I was the only one that they have known that like, you're going to miss this movement. And so I got to see my brother before he left, you know. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So the Lord came through there. 
he came through and that was the first time I was really dependent on my faith. Like I was like, all right, God, like I know you can do anything. And you know, and so I was, I was really banking on the fact that God could do something. And so of course I never seen him do anything before that. And then it came through, it came true. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Well, take us, take us further into kind of your, your journey where, cause I know eventually you start this, this company. Yeah. And so kind of fill in those gaps between that time and, and when you start the company. So, you know, I, I got out of the Navy, uh, in 2006, I went back into the Navy Reserve in 2009, right? Because um, my son was born, we needed the the healthcare, so we went. I, I joined really for Tricare. Yeah. So, I was a video editor at this point for for John Hagee Ministries, and I'll oh. just say so. I, I worked there. I go to church there, and I was a video editor for eight and a half years. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm kind of like one of the the first ones. I would, I guess, I would say maybe maybe one of the few that have have a job there where I didn't work labor. I was a video editor. I was working computers. I was doing media stuff. It was pretty cool. Yeah. But after a while, I felt like I was stuck. Not, I didn't like, um, I mean, I, I loved my job. I loved where I work. But I felt that like, I was like, man, there has to be more to life than just working eight to five. You know, I was like, because you're told that the time you're young, you're told go to college, get good grades, go get a job. And you're like conditioned for that. And so many people, I think, wake up every day and think, man, like I'm barely making it. You know, I, I, I can barely pay the bills. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, I started thinking that. So one day, um, I was like, I have all the student loan debt. You know, I started to take out student loans. Yeah. I had the GI bill, but I still took out student loans. And as you, as you're growing in your family and yeah, I, I, I had my daughter at that time too. So we have two kids, my wife, and it was tough, you know? Um, yeah. and I started to play on that blame game. Like, man, I'm, I need more money. You should pay me more. I started to think like that. And I really had to stop for a moment. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I can't think like this. And so I got Dave Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover. True story. Yeah. Uh, June or July, 2015. I got it. I read it. I was like, yes, I, this is it. But then for me personally, it wasn't the path for me. Right. I didn't want to live off beans and rice. <laughs> to, to me, it's ridiculous. You know, to, to be honest, like you live in America, right? You live in yeah. the greatest country in the world. Take advantage of capitalism. Be- <laughs> become more than what you than what you are. And so right. I was like, wait, I, I sold my stuff. I sold my guitar head, which that's how I play guitar. And I was like, ah, oh, I can't play guitar no more. It stinks. And we're barely making it. I was trying to do all I can. I had the thousand dollars saved. I had to use that to fix the car. And so it was just frustrating. But then one day. I was going on a ministry cruise with, with John Hagen Ministries, and I was like, I need a new book. I, I need a new book. And I came across a book that two guys in the Navy were reading, Think and Grow Rich. I don't oh, know if you're aware yeah. of that book. Yes. You know I what? read that book. I read that book, and the first words, in fact, I still, I still have it. You know, this, was, this was the book right here by Ross uh, Cor- Cornwell. Yeah. But, when, but, go ahead. Wait, by Napoleon Hill, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, I've not actually read Thinking Grow Rich, but I'm a big fan of Napoleon Hill. Have you read Outwitting the Devil? That's the next on my list. Oh. I had a friend told me about that book. Dude. So I don't, it's a little controversial, which I can see why he didn't want to have it published in his lifetime. But, uh, you know, it's because it's not like from a traditional Christian perspective of the devil at all. Sure. But 
if you like it, he is so like it was literally stuff that I read in that book that made me quit my job and start heading into this. He talks about things like, um, and I'll let you. I want to hear what, how he affected you, but things like um, the hypnotic rhythm of kind of your your work your life, right? And so, yeah, yeah, you know, I was in this rhythm of get up, go to early, go to work. You know, suffer through work, come home, pick up kids, come home, yes. wipe out. You know that whole thing. I was like, I need a new rhythm, and then, so I had I had to do it anyway. Napoleon Hill, all that to say, is fantastic. So go ahead. How did Think and Grow Rich influence you? So when when I started reading the, the first the first words of of the chapters, uh, the the power of how someone could be so obsessive with getting what they want, right? And obviously in an ethical way. The first, the first word I think was power, the power, the power of mind or mind power, which is by Edward C. Barnes, and the, his story really got me thinking because I started to see myself because I've always been like that. He was so obsessive be, with becoming the business associate of Thomas Edison, and he did whatever it took to get him from where he was at to New Jersey. I mean, it was that obsession, it yeah. was the desire that he had. So you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get in front of him, and I'm going to do business with this guy. So he, once he got in front of him, Thomas Edison looked at him and is like, so do you have any experience with business? And he's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, okay, how about you be a janitor? It was something like that. It was like, become a janitor. But he didn't quit. See, that's the thing that I've, I've kind of resonated with. Is I, I'm, see, I'm not a quitter. I'm always someone that if I see something I want, I'm going to get it in an ethical way, of course. Yeah. So, and I, I related my story. In 2010, I wanted to go Navy Special Forces, which was SWIC. And I knew that in order for me to become a warrior, I had to condition my body to, to get beat up. Long runs, a lot of push-ups, get just physically ready. And so I did that. And in fact, I have my card that I did with the SEAL chief here in San Antonio. I have all my scores still with the SEAL chief. And that, year, that following year or a year later, I did the marathon, the, the rock and roll marathon. I did it. I did I did wow. 13.1 miles. So you could get whatever you want, but you have to really man, you got to believe that you could have it. And the the stories in this book were people that believed that they could have it because you're in America, you could do what you want. You have freedom. And I started asking myself, I was like, "Wait a minute. Why am I not living the American dream?" Right? It's available to all of us. So why is it an immigrant from China or Iran or Mexico, no matter where they're at, they come over here and live life on their own terms while the average American is not doing that. They live yeah. paycheck to paycheck. We're complaining. How come we're not having money? So I really started to dig deep. and I said, God, what could I do to get out of debt? What could I do to change my family tree? And there was something that Dave Ramsey said that I, that I would agree with. He said, the poor cannot feed hungry kids. The poor can build shelters, but the wealthy can. Yes. So I really started to like dig deep. God, hey, God. Show me. So then I came across this book, and I still have it on my on my desk right here. How to Win at the Sport of Business by Mark Cuban. Oh, in yeah. this book, this is a great book, and this is where I started. Poverty sucks. So in the first chapter, he's teaching himself how to program. Look, he's he's teaching himself how to program. And in in this in this story, he talks about how he was struggling, and this was the image right here. He's teaching himself how to how to how to program, and that's where I put poverty sucks. So I was like, okay. So I tried. I typed in for the URL with the S U C K, and it was taken. 
So I said, how about S-U-X? So I typed it in poverty sex and I got it. I bought, I bought it and I started the Facebook page. And the whole thing was just for me to share what inspired me um, by business people, Napoleon Hill stuff, Christian stuff about wisdom and, you know, associating, associating and walking with the wise and the more I'm in business, the more I learn, learn about business and learn how I try to communicate, uh, handle business meetings and things like that. I really started to see a lot of what I'm searching for in Proverbs. And one of my favorite Proverbs is in chapter 12 or 13. The wall, the, the wise, um, in fact, let me get it real quick. Because this is so important for many Christians. And I think it's something that we all have to know. And it's, um, here it is. It's uh, Proverbs 13, chapter tw- uh, verse 20. 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise associate with fools and get in trouble. So that scripture can mean different things to different people. But for me, when I met you, I met Dan Cashel. I met a lot of other people. And in order for me to grow as a businessman and in this country, I never made a hundred K. I haven't made a million dollars, but I need to seek out somebody who has, can I, and, and, and I need to learn from them. You know, how do I, you know, handle objections in the price. How do I find clients and not customers? You know, show me how to do that. You know, I want to break this poverty cycle in my family. So I'm always seeking those who are further ahead in the game of life than me and I can learn from them. So that way I could teach my kids not to be a statistic eight to five. Because at some yeah. point you're going to wake up and think, man, is this it? Is this all there is to life? Do I have to wait till I'm 65 to live life? How come I can't travel to France and 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 do great things? And so I want to yes. encourage Christians that you have gifts, and the Bible says that your gift will make room for you. And um, yeah, so talk so, yeah. talk about that because I think that sometimes as believers, we have this idea that we can't promote ourselves or that we can't promote our value, right? Um, and that we can't accept our value, and therefore we cannot profit. And mm-hmm. I see. I, I've come to a place where I believe that that's just complete bunk, and that it's actually the opposite. But what what do you believe about that? I believe that we're given an opportunity, and we need to take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, every opportunity, even to share Christ, is very crucial. You know, um, I listened to John Brevere not that long ago. He wrote a book called Killing Kryptonite, and he talked about an opportunity where he talked with a young man. And he said, you know, you, you, you do need to change your life, you know, because if you go down this path, it's destruction. And that young man ended up passing away, never repented, never accepting Christ. And so the opportunity was, was, was there for him, but he didn't take it. Opportunity for many Christians here in America is we want to see hungry kids be fed. We want to see great things happen within our community, our church. We want to witness to people. But yet we don't take advantage of it because I think so many Christians are comfortable. Yeah. And being comfortable meaning they're complacent. And I think we need to tap into what is your heart's desire? Because if that desire is truly like burning within you, you're going to find every opportunity and every moment to take advantage of it and like just go for it. Yeah. Don't be scared. Wow. I love that. Okay. There's so much there. Uh, one thing is heart's desire. So we, I think we have this wrong idea about our heart, right? That, um, that our heart is not good and that the desires that come out of it are not good. Right. And the, the reality is, so I'm going to talk about this for just a second. 
um, you know, I love Ephesians 2.10. I grew up quoting Ephesians 2.8 and 9, which is great. It says, for by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's a pure gift, right? Yeah. It's a gift of God, not of work so that no one can boast. So you didn't do this, but, but this is the part. So then he says, for, so this is causal, right? It's a, it's a, this is the reason that all of this is true, that you've been saved by grace through faith is for this. For we are God's handiwork, created yeah. in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And, Amen. you know, if we're not pursuing those and asking the question, God, what did you, perf- what do you want me to do? What right, is the right. stuff that you made me to do that nobody else in this world will do? Uh, then we're not asking the right questions of ourselves and we're not requiring enough of ourselves. And right. so when you say uh, well, a lot of us are comfortable, I think it's true, but I think we're, we're even comfortable in our poverty, right? We have this poverty yeah. mindset and we're comfortable, mm-hmm. whether, whether we're actually poor or not um, it, monetarily, we're, we're comfortable just being where we are. We've, we've kind of accepted it. And if you don't, you know, ask the question, God, what did you make me to do? We might never right. break out of it. And that's a travesty. It's a loss. You've lost far more uh, than, you know, you may gain eternity in the long run, but you might not gain all of the joy that you were created to have in this life. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing is, um, number one, the reason why things come out of our, our own heart that are not good is because we're not rooted in him first. Yeah. See, if anything outside of him is evil. Your thoughts are evil. You start thinking selfishly. You start thinking about what's what about me, 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 me. You, you don't. You, the, the I think the human brain, outside of Christ, is self-serving. It is deceitful. You will fall into any trap, any any deceitful words. You will believe stories that are not of Christ. And I think that once you start really digging deep, that you are nothing without Christ, right? It says, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing that is even remotely good. So until you come to a realization that you can do nothing with him, then things will, will, will I think, fall apart. So you have to really dig deep and say, God, man, I, I can't even breathe without your permission. Help me. Yeah. So you got to come to a place of brokenness, I think. And that's where you will start seeing, Lord, what could I do? What could I do for your kingdom? And how could I help kingdom projects on earth move forward? And there's a book by, um, I forgot his name, Sean Boltz, I think it was. And he has the, the, the keys to heaven's economy. And he talks about every wealth that you get as you're a believer and you're just rooted in him is for kingdom projects. It's for his glory. It's for building hospitals. It's for feeding the hungry kids. It's for helping other people in distress situations, you know, cause money is just a tool. Right. But if you don't believe that you can do remotely anything good, then you won't do anything good. You know, that's why people, when they, when they get wealth, they do forget God. You know, um, there's even, I read the scripture and he says, man, when I started to prosper, I forgot about you. Yeah. And so he says, please don't leave me. Although, although I love, there's a scene in Mark where Jesus um, is talking with the rich man and he tells the rich man, you know, go and go and just sell everything you have and then come follow me. And the guy leaves, you know, sad. But yeah. so the, so, uh, and Jesus says, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? To enter the kingdom of God. 
And the, the disciples are totally dismayed because they thought the rich were the blessed ones, right? They're like, wow, what, uh, if, if he can't make it, how am I going to make it? Right. And right. which is fascinating. But then Jesus turns around and he's like, and he almost is trying to cheer him up. And he says, oh, don't, but, but don't worry. Everything is possible with God. Everything's which, possible. Which I Everything thought was fa- a fascinating way to read that. He's not. I, like he's not even trying necessarily to say that don't be rich. He's he's saying, no, have your heart set on the things of God. Exactly. All things are all things are possible. So. Yeah. So in in a psalm, I read this this morning, Psalm thirty, verse six. It says, "When I was prosperous, I said nothing can stop me now." Yeah. <laughs> your favor, O Lord, has made me secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. The problem is, I think. It's not just money. It's also when you think you feel like you're unstoppable. When you feel like you're unstoppable, you think, well, I'm getting all these blessings and, you know, now it's because my effort It's the, it's you think you're starting to trust in your own effort. But here's where I challenge people. They say, oh, well, money's bad and Christians are not supposed to be entrepreneurs. Proverbs 31 describes a woman who is an entrepreneur. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, you know, like there's so many instances about the, the, about even in Proverbs, there's one where it says a fool spends all that he has. If those who work diligently will prosper. So it, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about Christians being entrepreneurs or, you know, or even bad thoughts about money. And um, I, I always tell Christians like, you know, Hey, go try paying your bills with a hug. <laughs> you can't. Right. So the problem with a lot of people, even non-Christians, are like, well, those who have money are evil and no one should have a billion dollars and blah, blah, blah. I got in this conversation with this lady on, on my page and I thought, if you didn't care about money, then you wouldn't be complaining about your situation about being retired. Yeah. You need money. People, your church needs money. You're, um, you're, that's how – we live in an economic world, you know, and so – if we're able to live life on our own terms, money's just a tool. That that's all it is. Right. But money in the hands of an evil person is right. of course. You know, so, yeah. yeah. All tools can be used in good ways or bad ways. You can use a hammer to beat somebody, or you can use a hammer to hammer and nails. Exactly. Um, exactly. But uh, yeah, so the point I wanted to make about the kingdom of God is that it's abundant. Right. And so and then, yes. you know, the if you read some of these stories about Jesus and like this, I think the the point of like when Jesus feeds the 5,000 is no, the kingdom is abundant. Like it, you don't have to have, you, you know, you may not have enough food to feed 4,000 people plus their families. Right. But, you know, let's see what happens. And and Jesus kind of shows them what will happen. And the point of that is that yeah, the kingdom is abundant if you trust. And right. So you have to believe that God is the supplier of all things. Number one. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. He made the universe. He, there's abundance of space, stars, fish, all of that. I think too is, you know, for me, um, I tell you real quick. When I started to do business, I started to pray, God, send me godly millionaires. Show me, mm, yeah. and send me godly spiritual people, so I can stay rooted, be be accountable, be humble. Um, and you have to believe that God will open the doors. Yes. That would lead you to prosperity too. Because look, if God didn't believe in prosperity, he wouldn't place Joseph where he was to be the right hand of Pharaoh, which was pr- pretty much the prime minister. And he wouldn't say to his family, hey, come. Right. It's okay. I have enough. We're going to be okay. No. That was my my why. 
my why was, God, I want to be the Joseph for my family. Mm. But I can't be poor up here first and then not not believe that God will supply me new business, you know? And so uh, I, had to, I had to believe, God, I want to be the why. The why is I want to be Joseph for my family. So when famine does come to the United States, and it'll happen, right? It happened in 2008. I could say it didn't affect me because my father is my CEO and he's going to lead me to people who will pay me, even if, even though they don't believe the same that I do. Joseph served a pagan yeah. king. Daniel served a pagan king too. And he never talked trash to any of one of them. Yes. And too many Christians are like, I will not work for that person or I won't do business with that person because they're not a believer. You know, just calm down. <laughs> Look at Joseph. When Potiphar saw Joseph, he says, I'm going to place you in front of all my, I'm going to place you in charge of all my property. He didn't say, well, you worship the God of whatever. I'm not going to serve you. He still served. And I think that is one of the, the key breakthrough for a lot of Christians they need to know is his, is how to honor and honor opens the doors. Yeah. You know, honor serves honor is self is self is self, uh, is, is pushing that self down so that you can be the best that you can be. So people can see Christ in you because you're the only one that Christ, that people see Christ. If they can't see Christ in you, they're, they're not going to want him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Okay. So you, you founded this company um, Alex V Media. Tell us about that because I'd like people to know a lot more about kind of what you do and how you help them. All right, cool. So let me tell you how I got here. Um, in 2017, I decided to quit eight to five. I was working uh, after John Hagen Ministries. I went to the the local paper here and I started selling. I wanted to learn how to sell. And um, at that time, we just had our our third child, Aiden, and he was just a few months old. And my wife was just she was going through a lot, nursing him, taking care of our, our two older kids. And I decided to quit. She was like, I need you home. Please be home. Because I wasn't getting home till late. And then I was staying up to like one o'clock in the morning trying to find prospects. And that was tough. So I quit. I said, I felt God tell me, I need you to get out, out of your comfort zone, because I'm going to take you to a place that is going to be further. Now, when I quit, I started to do the grocery thing. Just to bring in some money, we were able to pay our rent through my wife's VA disability. We, we were barely, I mean, barely, barely making it. And, and boy, it, it was tough. So what ended up happening was um, I had $6,800 in my S&P 500 index fund. Yeah, I took the whole thing out. I was like, I'm, I don't want to wait till I'm 65 to live life. I want to live life now. And how could I do it now? If there are wealthy people living life now, soaring and going to places, I need to learn how to get there myself. So I took the whole thing out. I saw a Facebook advertisement showing, hey, I'll show you how to make profitable Facebook ads. And so, man, I, 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 I called, you know, actually, I, I went through the webinar. I called the guy and I said, hey, look, I don't have X amount of dollars to afford it. Give me a good price. I picked up the phone. I just called. And the guy goes, I'll sell it to you for X amount. I said, done. I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> it took me two and a half months to get through the program. There's a lot. I was like, wow, this is so much to do with paid traffic. I mean, this is not just boosting a post. This is getting strategic on how businesses can make money through it, make a profit. Yeah. So I, I reached out to a guy um, and I said, hey, um, what do you charge for Facebook advertisement when you're first starting out? And he didn't respond at first. And I thought, cool. So I, I kept doing shipped. And um 
what ended up happening was July 17th, 2017, he puts looking for a shark who wants to dive into the world of media buying, who's never done this, and I will show you everything. It was like blood in the water. I was a shark. <laughs> Typing in. It's like, pick me, pick me, pick me, message me. I messaged you. Here's my number. And I was just, remember, I was obsessed. I was like, I got to learn this. I got to find someone who's successful in this and show me how. So he, he called me, and that was the first summer I was able to go to kids camp with my son. Wow. And he called me in this in my room, and I was walking around. I said, hey, hey, is, is this so-and-so? And we started talking, and he said, I told him my story. Navy, jump, left, we're thinking, grow rich. Everything. I told him the whole story like I told you. And he goes, I'm 97% sure that you're the guy that I'm going to bring on board. But give me one good reason why you are it. And I said three words, reliable, dependable, and on time. And he goes, you're it. That's it. So immediately, I didn't know how long this guy's been in business, though, for himself as a paid traffic uh, specialist agency. And I was immediately thrown into these large Facebook campaigns. And I mean, dude, these things were like, I was like, I never seen nobody spend $400,000 on ads. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. But they were making such a return. It, I saw how they did it. It was, it was strategic. It was, it was correctly planned out, yeah. built in the funnels. I was exposed how these guys did it. And so so I had a, I had a very successful um, campaigns going. I was learning a lot. I was skyping with other guys, and they, they were making videos through Zoom, and they were showing me, "Hey, do this, do this. Let's do this. Let's increase the ad spend to this." And I was like, "Wow!" So it wasn't until I thought, "This is it. I'm gonna start a business from what I'm learning with these guys, and I'm gonna start to implement it here in San Antonio and help other people." And so that's why I started Alex B Media. Nice. Yeah. I love that. I wanted to say that, uh, you know, people don't spend that kind of money if they're not making more than that back on the ads. Right. Like, so whatever yep. they're, you're, you're spending, you know, you spend 400 K you're, you're making probably a million bucks off of that. <laughs> Come yeah. all, the, all the traffic coming back. Oh, I, I seen some businesses that are, are making tremendous amount of return, but of course you have to have it, you know, structured in a way where it, number one, I learned this, the reason why all ads work and don't work is because if they don't work, they don't understand their audience. Right. 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 You know, if you're if you're a Christian and you have a book and you're trying to sell something about how to become a better husband, well, you got to speak to the pain of not becoming uh, of of the pain of where you're failing at. Right. That's why when people see it, they're like, "Man, I, I I need to become a better husband. I'm failing. It's speaking right to my heart." You know, so your ads have to speak to them. And so, and, and that's why they work. And I seen them make like, I seen companies make like, I think 1.5 million a month just on Facebook ads. Oh, it's kind of like on their ads. It's crazy, but it works. It, yeah, working. it does. Well, that's awesome. Um, all right. So Alex, I just want like, thank you so much for sharing your story. And, uh, I think that's amazing. God's doing some cool things with you. I love the conversation about the poverty mindset and, you know, just thinking about, how do we think better about ourselves and money and our, I think the language that's really resonating with me right now is how we show up in the world, right? Like, are we showing up yeah. as people, uh, who are, you know, children of the King able to, able to make things happen? Or are we showing up as people who are, uh, you know, poor and, and needy? Um, 
man, I love that. And thank you. Thank you for your company. So guys, uh, Alex V media, I've got a link to that in our, um, in the show notes at halfway there podcast.com. You mentioned your website, poverty sucks, S U X.com as well. That's people right. can find you there. And, uh, I'll, I can throw a link to your Facebook as well. If people want to connect with you. Also all those, all those, uh, books that you mentioned are linked there as well. Folks can get that. Yeah. A- anything you want to leave us with Alex? I just want to encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast is that you, you are created for a particular reason for this earth, not just to go to church and just praise God, but he wants you to do something for the kingdom and impact and change lives. And whatever that is, whether you're a teacher, whether you are ventured onto business, you know, I, I want everyone to know that you, you are destined for greatness, but somewhere along the lines, maybe you were told not to. And so I'm here to tell you that you live in a great country. You live in a great country because you're given an opportunity to do something great with your life. So remember that poverty is not how much you have in the bank, but it's how you think. Change the way you think and believe that abundance is for you too. So uh, you go ahead and visit me, povertysucks.com. You can subscribe to the newsletter and you'll get weekly updates and where we talk to self-made millionaires and see how they got out of poverty and um, the things that they did to, to get to where they're at. Oh, that's fantastic. Thanks a lot for being here, Alex. I appreciate it. Thanks. Good to be here.